Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation and I'm your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. The intention in these episodes is to give you insights into how the planet is shifting in frequency and vibration to a new level of awareness and how you can be part of this grand awakening. And today I'm delighted to welcome to the show Gary Evans, who is often the guy in the background. He's a promoter of other spiritually gifted people and he's a little bit like the, uh, the MI5 guy who stands in the back corner smoking his cigarette, keeping an eye on everything that's going on. And so I'm absolutely delighted that he's actually going to have the opportunity today uh, to give us his inside information and story and, and what he's discovered uh, as a very close observer. So, Gary, it's uh, great to have you with us today. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on the show, Peter. Great to talk to you and hope people enjoy listening. I'm sure they will. Now, a big piece of your work has been being the, the PR guy, and you've brought some wonderful people to, to this show, including uh, Robert Baval, and, and you were connected with Graham Hancock as well, and Walter Cruttenden, uh, who's just been on last week, and uh, many, many other people. Lucy Wise, I know you're staying with her at the moment. And yes. so, so having done that work with, in service to, to Spirit, and, and I remember our very first conversation, you sort of said, I'm a bridge uh, f- from Europe to North America, and I said, well, I'm a bridge going the other way. Yes. And yeah. uh, made that great connection. Um, so how did you get involved in all this in the first place? Well, I've had interest, you could say, in ancient history, so ancient Egypt, um, Stonehenge environment, since I was about 17, so it's nearly 20 years now, and I researched subjects on and off as I sort of uh, had my corporate work, which tends to be all-consuming, so there wasn't so much time for looking into things, and um, sort of various states of awakening, and then I would say sort of back to sleep or more unconscious type behavior and then it got to a point in the corporate world where it just felt like it was a bit of a soulless existence because it is predominantly uh soulless soulless yeah yeah yeah. and that i wanted to to really there was something in me that wanted to help people um and i didn't feel that i was accomplishing it and i went into a sort of sales role and that was uh my father's career as well so it got to a point in my life where where I just couldn't see me working in an office environment any longer I I tried it a few times in different capacities and it just wasn't making me happy on a deeper level so I did a lot of soul searching and you could could say it was almost like a personal crisis well what do I do with my life and my intuition guided me to go to um, yoga and that was where Things took a dramatic turn for the better. And so, uh, having having done that, and then getting into the the work of PR and su- in supporting other people on their journeys, you obviously also made made another step, which was to step out and, and become a frontman yourself. So, talk about that. How that evolved? Well, before I became the PR agent, I did um, put a website together called Atlantis Evidence, which was because I'd spent a lot of time self-studying and it had got to the point where I wanted to to try and help those with less time kind of get a concise update of all the most interesting things I'd found. So that that side of it actually started first. Um, and it was attending a conference for the first time that was a big game changer because I was had a circle of friends that although interested in the subjects and we'd kind of discussed things over a a pint they weren't doing their own research so it was quite a one-sided conversation and then when I went to a conference suddenly I was surrounded by all these people that had read the same books watched the same documentaries researched things and and started telling me interesting authors to look at connected to subjects I found fascinating and and that was really very liberating And, and then I had a new circle of friends um and so we were sort of helping each other move forwards in that regard and around the same time I'd started to be a web designer because one thing that I did um, 
feel called to do was to build websites for people that were inspiring others. I kind of felt that could be a, a step in the right direction. Uh, I'd started working on conference websites, one for megalithomania um, in Glastonbury. I think you've got Hugh Newman on the show soon. Yeah, he's um, on next week, yeah. So I started working with Hugh and there was a Stars and Stone, Stones forum in Suffolk. So that kind of gave me an understanding of how events run from the inside. And and out of being involved with the conferences, I was hanging around with lots of authors and start set up a talk for Walter Cruttenden in London just because I found his information so fascinating. And he was traveling from California to England to speak at Megalithomania. And he's, his work really did... Um, Give me a lot of possible answers to big questions I had about life when it starts discussing cycles of consciousness. And and so I felt, well, it's an amazing opportunity for him to possibly inspire other people in England on this rare visit. So I sort of went out on a limb and, and arranged to talk for him in London. And that was really the genesis of the PR company. Um because I started telling other authors what I was doing, and there there really is a bit of a void in those PR companies that work with authors but because of my close personal interests with the subjects of course I can understand um, the areas and and have lots of friends as well so I had a bit of a deeper sort of understanding of the picture for, from a PR perspective and I think that's what the authors found um, very reassuring because I love their, their subject material personally and so it wasn't just about promoting and getting paid it was about inspiring people and working with people whose work i truly believed had something different to offer and so from there then uh, obviously getting in, in immersed in that and connecting with these people and, and quite a diverse variety of, of subjects and on the note of walter cruttenden if you have missed the show he was on last week and he is an inspiring speaker and, and has this wonderful view of the big of the biggest picture of all the great year <laughs> So, so let's come back to you, though, Gary, and how you then started to step out and, and, and lead things yourself. Well, I started with um, starting to help with conferences um, and then doing talks. I had a few opportunities to do talks. So my website, Atlantis Evidence, turned into a PowerPoint presentation that I gave in on a tour in Egypt that I was helping Robert Bavale run, and I gave that at a festival in England. And then guiding people around the ancient sites, that's where I've really sort of become a, a bit of a front man, and particularly in Egypt because um, of my interests in yoga and meditation and, and seeing how I've gained personal insights from using those traditions in Egypt. It just a natural role seemed to um, open for me on some of Robert's tours and before and after the tours well, I ended up just guiding smaller groups from our big tour groups around who were interested in meditation. And we had, I mean, we just had life-changing experiences. It'd never be the same again um, because you start to see that there, there is more to life because I think many of the people listening, and I know people that attend conferences, we kind of have this itch that perhaps there's a better way of, being or maybe a remembrance of a, a better way um i know i know that's how i felt that there's more to life um does it need need to be such a focus on on war and um competition has it always been that way um the picture we're kind kind of painted of the past that it's all been quite barbaric and warlike but, but i don't think that's necessarily true and the artwork in Egypt doesn't depict that at all. There's, there's lots of um, harmony and, and scenes that I was showing at my presentation in America recently. It even seems to be like Reiki going on. Um, so, so I think we need to look at, try and look at the past in a bit of a different light. In some situations, we certainly the picture's not clear. We haven't got all the answers. There's, there's many mysteries, and that's fascinating for many of us and, and something I'm trying to to find out for myself and also share 
share what's um, sort of cutting edge research because there's a lot happening at the moment. There certainly is, and, and, and it's great that, that it is a mystery, and hopefully it will always be a mystery. We're not going to solve the whole thing. So no, we'll, too big for one lifetime. <laughs> so we'll come back to the, uh, Egypt because I do want to talk about that in some detail later. But before we do, the show is called Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation, as you know, and there are lots of people waking up right now. But I also know that one of your focuses actually is helping people get to that place of awakening and consciousness shift. So before we go into some of the sacred sites, just talk a bit about that shift that's required for people and how it can be achieved. Well, I'm trying to approach things from um, a personal perspective. So we need, it's come to my attention. I mean, there's a lot of talk about spirituality and there's these, there's lovely ideas out there that we find fascinating to entertain. But how does it help the average person on the street um, tomorrow? What are the practical applications? And, I, and there's also the term practical spirituality. I've heard of that banded around a lot. But when I look at it, it is not particularly practical spirituality because it isn't something that I can use tomorrow to make a difference in my life. So we're all trying to, um, to obviously have a, have a stable situation and, and many of us bring up families. So how is, how is it that I, the information and the authors that I work with and the experiences that we have, what impact does it have on them to fulfill their, their dreams and and as a result, make the world a better place. Because certainly for me, if you want to call it the spiritual path, has been about working on myself in a development, in a work, um, through many different traditions, ancient wisdom, nutrition. And um, it gets to a point where it's not, not good enough to try and just work on yourself because you start to see the, the world comes alive and you get a, a much greater sense of joy from being in nature and watching the natural world that I certainly took for granted for many years. And then, so once you start to see this magic um, that you've taken for granted again, it's something that I think is important for us to share with others because there's certainly many people that would also get a sense of deep inner peace from from what I've experienced and and many other people are enjoying the, uh, along the path. And it's not like um, I think I've, I've reached this nirvana or something. It's a, a constant process. But perhaps because of the exposure I have to all these incredible authors and leading the tours, that I haven't had an opportunity to see something that was a bit more difficult for somebody that's working in, in the office every day and has a family to, to um, look after. So hopefully from that perspective, I might be able to help somebody else along their path by sharing what I find personally helpful. Well, Gary, we're actually coming up to our first break, but this is really important because there are so many people on that edge right now who live in that world of, of having to make money for their family and the security of the old paradigm and making mm. the shift into the new world, you can't just drop everything and suddenly become a spiritual guru. There's no. a real series of steps required. So when we come back after the break, we'll get Gary to give us a bit of an insight into practical ways that you can begin to awaken. Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Every life on Earth has the capability of knowing the world in a much more powerful way than what we've settled for. And Gaiam TV is there to support your journey in knowledge, awareness, and awakening. Our vision is to raise global consciousness by bringing viewers original interviews, inspiring films, and engaging series on today's most sought-after topics. We invite you to try Gaiam TV free for 10 days. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to claim your free trial. You won't look at your life and your world the same way again. That's G-A-I-A-M TV The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network.
You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tan. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com, where my uh, newsletters are all there. The one from August, which was uh, quite an interesting one, with lots of uh, detailed information in there. All of the radio shows are archived there for your listening, and one or two other bits and pieces as well, www.myheartcenteredjourney.com, where we have our ongoing Ambassadors of Light class every couple of weeks on a Thursday evening, although I'm going to be off... uh, for a while, probably till about the first week in October, I think, as I go on my own pilgrimage and sojourn into Europe. Have with me today Gary Evans, who is a PR man for many of the best-known spiritual authors, but he's also doing his own work quietly behind the scenes and beginning to emerge as a spiritual leader himself. And Gary, before the break, he was he was saying that uh, there is a practical way that people can open the door to their spiritual self to their higher levels of consciousness. So just give us an insight into how you see that uh, opening up for people. Okay, well, well, one of the subjects I've been thinking about, because the kind of buzz terms around is 2012 and shift of consciousness and these kind of things, but what, what does that actually mean? So I've been giving those subjects a lot of thought. Um, and just briefly on 2012, I'm not a subscriber to the doom and gloom theory that the world's going to end. I think that's a kind of creation out of Hollywood. There's nothing in the Mayan scriptures that any of the, the authors that I've spoken to and, and the studying I've done to substantiate that. But this, this time that we're in, I would say, is definitely seems to be an opportunity. There's an opportunity for us to um, improve things for everyone and and that ties in with a shifting consciousness on the planet but if we're talking about shifting consciousness what does that mean so for me that would be um if you work with the the chakra system of understanding which i'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with and we've kind of got the there's the base chakra um in the kind of groin area you could say which is I attribute as a sort of fear, that fear which can be a healthy thing for protection, but many of us um, have too too much fear, in my opinion. It's something that I work on, um, and the news and things kind of encourage that that way of thinking, and it and it does prevent us from doing things. There's always a little voice that says, "But if you travel to Egypt and there's just been a revolution, something could happen." So that that can stop many people, but we've had these incredible tours in Egypt uh, with no problems at all, and because so many people have been afraid to go, we've had the temples and pyramids to ourselves, quite literally at some points, and and when you find yourself in that position, it's just an incredible opportunity. So so sometimes you might, may consider it to be brave, and bravery can, can uh, reward you, I wouldn't call myself brave. I just didn't give in to my kind of concerns on the fear. So so the way I, I see the world is that we've got many people locked into this kind of fear-based base chakra consciousness, and that has been um, the way of being generally on the planet for at least the last 2,000 years. But thing, things are changing. People are sort of moving, you could say, vibrationally, because that's certainly part of it. And and it is about the heart. It might be a bit of a cliche, but there's definitely a difference in awareness of others, um, empathy, giving for the sake of giving because it feels good and not expecting something in return. And uh, if you then start to sort of get into karma, but if you are thinking of other people, it seem there seems to be a kind of unwritten rule somewhere. That if you're thinking of other people, you you get given more than your wildest dreams um, could have dared to imagine. Because that's how I feel with how my life has changed. So um, the consciousness shift for me is a movement from the base chakra fear, letting go of our fears, moving to the heart, thinking of others, 
making sure that you're not impacting people in an, an unduly negative way and not just thinking of me, me, me. It's more about perhaps your, um, your local area or the world. The, you want to have some kind of practical impact on the environment. I mean, whatever it might be, as consciousness awakens and you, and you grow, then you start to look at the, the world's problems and it's, well, what can I do about it? Because for a long time, I was looking at these problems and not doing anything. And I think it's got to the point now where we all have, have to stand up. If we've got a certain level of awareness, the, the point of sitting back and hoping somebody else can change the world um, in a way that we'd like, that's gone now. It's got to the point where we have to say, okay, I've got this gift or this is what I love to do. And we have to, to try and find a way of, of making that, that happen. And you mentioned earlier, you've mentioned earlier on today uh, about yoga and meditation and nutrition. So just give us a, a, an insight into how people can help themselves personally in, in these areas, in practical ways. Well, the insight that I received when I was at Luxor Temple and had one of these incredible experiences was that there, there are a lot of negative um, influences surrounding us on a daily basis so we kind of get weighed down um, from a vibrational perspective and so we have there has to be a kind of a cleansing or letting go I mean emotional if we get hurt by others that's something we can hold on to but it doesn't really do us any favors to resent others and certainly not um, to try and hurt them in return for what we perceive as um, them hurting us which quite often can of course be unintentionally anyway so so we need to um to let go of things and there's lot there are lots of ways of working on your vibration and awareness and so i've, I've tried to get explore the different options because there's many people working with tremendous um ways of doing these things and there's lots of workshops and things so i just try to attend as much as possible try everything with an open mind, see what really helps me. Um, and if it helps me personally, then it's probably worth me sharing. That's the kind of uh, philosophy that I've got. Because there's, there's also obviously things out there that maybe they won't, they won't help me so much, but they help somebody else. And then there's things that don't really have any um, tangible effect and might perhaps too much is promised. Them. So we always have to use our discernment with these things. So you really have to uh, experiment and, and try things for yourself and try and see what it is that actually is going to work best for you. Yes. So developing your intuition and learning um, the difference between the kind of left brain thinking and this deeper inner knowing what's going to help you. I mean, that's really something that's helped me along the path and certainly yoga and learning how to still the mind the constant chattering monkey mind as my yoga teacher calls it because it does have a lot to say for itself <laughs> <laughs> and spent well spending time in nature i mean um, one of the big changes i made was was going outside and sitting barefooted which there's been quite a bit of research coming out recently that there's a lot of health benefits for being barefooted um and wandering through the, the temples in Egypt, I mean, the energy that's flowing through some of them, I'd never feel them if I had these rubber shoes on my feet. It's only because I've walked through barefooted. Um, so that, that would be one thing. And I, I'm, I like to use, because uh, I'm quite sensitive to, to other people's energies, and particularly if you're around people that, that are very upset or perhaps they pull you in into an argument, um, so it's good. One of the skills I started to develop was rather than being pulled into one of these kind of angry confrontations, because quite often people are angry about other things. Anger builds up in the system. And with some of the yoga postures, you can release anger from the body. Um, it's normally held in the sort of liver and kidney area, according to my teacher. And I've definitely noticed a cleansing process when you use some of the postures to squeeze these areas of letting anger out. So I don't, I don't think there's um, 
I don't think one person's more angry than another, but perhaps they've let anger, anger's built up in their system because they were never taught that it's something they need to release from time to time. These aren't the kind of understandings that we're taught at school that anger can build up in you. And then after a while, you might be considered an angry person, but you can still get rid of all of that anger and then become a, a sort of more quiet, quiet contemplative type, I would say. So it's never, it's never too late to start trying to work on that, that side of things. And once you start getting the, ang- the anger out of your system, which is kind of connected to, to this fear-based consciousness, I would say, and you start raising the vibration, then other, other things naturally unfold, I think, out of that. I, got, I had one client that deals with um, color therapy, so I used to wear a lot of black and dark blues, and now I really feel much better wearing bright, um, bright-colored T-shirts and um, white and wear colours that I would never have considered the old Gary would never have worn because he felt uncomfortable. So, so colour therapy, I think, is good, surrounding yourself perhaps at home with colours that you find pleasing. Um, and sage and palo santo wood are very good cleansers of the energy body, which um, a lot of people perhaps have become aware of that, that term, and it might might be considered a bit, Woo woo, but I think there's certainly aspects of ourself that modern science hasn't quite caught up to yet, and I'm I'm comfortable that there's a a sort of energy field around around us, and that this energy field picks up things from other people, and so it's important to keep this clean. And sage and Palo Santo would definitely um, help me in that regard, particularly if I've been on public transport or something, and you've had perhaps 30 other um, auras overlapping yours at once. I mean, these, these can be quite difficult situations sometimes for sensitive people. So I'd certainly recommend um, cleansing after one of those. So, Gary, we're actually coming up to our second break, and that's a, a great point that people, again, don't notice unless you are really sensitive, is that when you're in a confined space with the... Uh, members of the public you need to do a bit of a clearing and cleansing when you when you get off off the bus or whatever it is <laughs> anyway it's been a tongue for awakening to conscious co-creation when we return i'm going to get gary to talk about how he goes into sacred sites and does his preparation and actually what he does when he is there we'll be talking about some of the sites in england egypt and uh, south america in peru it's been a tongue for awakening to conscious co-creation Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Just a reminder to check out our sponsors for this uh, series of shows, GaiamTV.com, G-A-I-A-M-T-V.com, assisting you in opening your mind, awakening your spirit, original interviews with great visionaries, and the world's first online video library devoted to supporting your awakening journey. 
There is a free 10-day trial. If you just click on the banner on my host page of guyamtv.com, you can give it a try for 10 days and see how you feel about uh, their series of videos. I have with me today Gary Evans, and Gary just had a couple of other things he wanted to mention about uh, practical spirituality and things we can do to raise our vibrations. So continue on, Gary. Okay, so just uh, quickly, just to try and throw a few other ideas out there for the listeners perhaps to think about. Well, if we're um, 70 to 80% water, it, it sort of seemed obvious to me that the quality of the water we drink um, was very important and, and definitely something with the work of Dr. Emoto and things people are becoming more aware of. So I'd certainly recommend thinking about the quality of the water and if you can, get some good quality mineral water or something locally if you're near springs or whatever the case may be, that would be good. Um, your diet, I'm not a subscriber to the kind of um, strict diet where we have to cut out all um, the things that we enjoy because I think that's very difficult for a lot of people and personally I, ha I have a big uh, soft spot for chocolate and, and the occasional steak but what I have done is cut out the junk food and um, moved my diet heavily from a kind of junk food meat based diet that didn't really have any thought in it in the direction of a lot more vegetables. Sometimes I'm vegetarian. I've just come back from a retreat center and, and went vegetarian for six days. And there's certainly a clarity of consciousness if you can go vegetarian um, that's worthwhile. Perhaps I'll get there one day. And I'm also a big um, subscriber to juicing. Green juice in particular is a, a big part of my diet now. And it, it does give you a tremendous um, boost to the body because the juice allows the body to um, absorb a lot more vitamins and minerals rather than expending the energy on breaking the food down. So I definitely recommend people to look into to green juicing. And, um, and one last point to note on that is also foraging is an area that I'm starting to look into more. We're surrounded by, particularly if we live in the countryside, these amazing plants, many of which are called weeds, but they have tremendous health benefits and minerals in them, and um, they can be added to juices. If obviously, if you've done the research and know exactly what you're picking, otherwise, it's not a good idea. But there's certain plants like stinging nettles and dandelions that are quite easily recognisable that are worth adding to juices and perhaps making teas and soups out of. So that would be other areas that I'd recommend looking into. Great, thank you. So I really want to get into now uh, your experiences in going to uh, sacred sites across the globe and what you actually do and, wh and what you experience there. So let's go to Egypt, actually. I know that's one of your favorite spots on the, on the planet, if not your favorite. Yeah. So let's talk about your experiences and what you actually do when you go there. Okay, well, probably the, the point to note about my approach, because what's really helped me have some amazing experiences and also group experiences which, which is um, what I find the most reassuring because I suspect quite a few people when they're on the spiritual path have strange experiences they didn't expect certainly if you're visiting ancient sites it's quite common but if it's just an experience you've had by yourself afterwards you can think back to it and, and sort of question yourself did that really happen did I make more out of it than was real but when you're sharing it with a group of people I mean, not either all of you are kind of going a bit funny at the same time or something really tangible has happened. And then when I go back to these sites with different groups of people and we share similar experiences to that I've had with other groups in the past, I, then we, we can get to a point of saying, okay, well, it looks like this particular temple or site on the planet has something unique about it. So that's one of the things that I've been looking at. And... and um, the more I'm traveling, the more I'm starting to see a connection between the level of awareness that I'm able to tap into or the consciousness that I can attain in areas of the um, world that have a more active geology. And, and there seems to be a, a sort of nice simple logic to it that if the planet's more alive in these areas that we could also be 
more alive or conscious. And that's certainly something my travels have brought to my attention. Um, so interesting geology, certainly some of the sites in Peru and Bolivia have had incredible geology and experiences we shared of them. And, uh, and so from using the skills in yoga and meditation and particularly toning and chanting, which has a perhaps quite a, a negative connotation in some people's mind. I mean, why, why are people toning and chanting? What, what is that supposed to do? It does make some people feel a bit uncomfortable. Um, and certain sort of expressing yourself in that way. I know when I started toning in public, I didn't feel particularly comfortable with that at all. So why, why are we toning? That's the, the first question. And the, the production of the sound is about vibrating the body. And what it does for me is it kind of um, loosens some of the stress that I have in my body that's making me sort of more grounded in my thinking or um, not as relaxed as I could be. So the toning makes me more relaxed, perhaps allows me to tap into my intuition so that would be how it, it helps me. But then what I see happening a lot of the time is we, we have a group that are, are toning um, and it's far more powerful if you're in harmony for a start. If there's a harmony in the group, you can kind of have this group um, experience with sound. But also it's not about just producing sound in the throat is what I've as I've come to understanding, when we're toning, it, it should be really coming from the um, the sort of stomach area, so you're vibrating the whole body on a very deep level. And that's, I think, the biggest change that I, I've experienced through the use of sound. And it was by using this technique that I developed in one of my yoga classes, I suddenly found that if I created the sound in my... Um, say the base chakra or the solar plexus area and my whole body started to vibrate with sound and it was such a strange feeling I sort of ran up to the teacher at the end of the class and described what I'd felt in my body but she she didn't know what it meant either so we've had some interesting conversations on that subject since then but then when I ended up in the king's chamber in the great pyramid in Egypt and there's this box there um, which the academics call a sarcophagus and my Egyptian friends told me not to call a sarcophagus and to call it a resonance box. And when I was laying in that and I used this technique to vibrate my whole body, the box in the king's chamber vibrated and then the whole of the king's chamber started to vibrate in the great pyramid. And this is a, it's a big, a big chamber. So this, the sound that, that was amplified as a result of using this technique was incredible. And my Egyptian friends were, were very surprised as well. And so, so everybody, everybody else in the King's chamber could feel this vibration. And as you were toning in the, in the resonance box. Yes. Well, there was only three other people with me. Um, so, but what, so, so now it's got to the point where we can go to an ancient site in one state of awareness, a normal everyday logical Sort of prov- problem-solving consciousness, as Graham Hancock so nicely calls it. We go into the Great Pyramid or one of these sites in that frame, but when we've done this experience with sound, we come out feeling liberated. I mean, I just felt like I could um, float. I felt so light. And and it, this is something that people can um, experience. There's things called gong baths, which is sound healing. Um, so that's something that people can look up on on the internet, and I highly recommend. It's very it can be very powerful, and um, and even just toning toning at home, something anyone can do anywhere. Probably when they're by themselves, otherwise you get some strange looks. But, <laughs> but it's worth. But you can, it's certainly something you don't have to be in Egypt to experience. You can start working with these these um, ancient techniques, and so. And so when you were lying in the, in the resonance box inside the, the king's chamber uh, and you were doing this resonation and, and you could feel the resonation around you in terms of the whole chamber, what was actually happening to you? Well, I mean, it's almost like a sound experimentation chamber for me in there. 
you can feel the sound waves coming over your body. And it was also, like, for an example, if I say hello in the king's chamber, you get about four or five echoes. So it goes, hello, 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 hello. So that immediately gives you um, incredible opportunities when you're toning or chanting and creating a sound because you can even amplify the own, your own sound if you get your timing perfect. So if you do an om and the sound vibrates and bounces off the wall, you can feel that coming over your body. You get your timing perfect and you can keep amplifying your own tone louder and louder and louder and louder. And that was something that I was starting to, to practice. And does that lead to some altered states of awareness or out-of-body experience, anything like that? Well, just to, to touch on one experience we had briefly, um, we did have a group out-of-body experience at Luxor Temple uh, using these techniques, and, and there was certainly a harmony in the group. That was what was very special about this. We had people that had um, either were musicians or, or just were sort of we're all in tune together because you, if you have a kind of competing sound from different people and the harmony's missing then, then I don't think it can be it's not as powerful and and the yeah the experience that we had I, I that for me when I had the out of body experience was a big answer to what I'd been searching for because when my awareness and consciousness was liberated from my body very surprisingly as it never happened um in this lifetime before that i'm aware of the place that i went to um the best description would be i, I was a drop of awareness in a sea of awareness so I, so i had a sense of self but i also had an awareness of the greater um self would be one way of putting it and just the feeling of um i mean unconditional love is about the closest term i could use to describe it or um bliss which again is a very personal word so what does bliss mean to each of us so how can i convey this feeling to everybody so it's not easy to describe it i guess as soon as you put it in words it's not as powerful as it really was right no um, so, so Gary we're actually coming up to our final okay. break so we'll take the break and we'll return and we'll continue on this uh, fascinating topic of sound usage in these sacred sites it's Peter Tong for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation The Voice America 7th Wave Channel Be Extraordinary be the change. In these changing times, the journey toward global consciousness has never been more important. Gaim TV is the first online video library dedicated to support your journey toward global and personal discovery. Our viewers enjoy unlimited access to our vast selection of inspiring interviews, engaging films, and award-winning wellness videos. And we invite you to try it for free. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to start your free trial. The journey starts now. That's G-A-I-A-M-TV.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tan. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tung. I have with me today Gary Evans, who's given us a really interesting overview of our spiritual awakening process from a practical point of view and also his experiences using sound frequencies in some of the great sacred sites across the globe so gary just give us uh, your information in terms of website and anything you've got coming up uh, in the near future yes yeah, certainly peter thank you um 
Well, my main website is infinite-connections.co.uk. There you can find um, information on the tours that I'm either helping to promote or co-hosting. Um, next year, I'll be co-hosting tours to Egypt. We're going to be there in um, for December the 21st this year and sailing down the Nile on Christmas Day. So that might be an interesting one for people. I'm co-hosting that with a couple of friends that live near the base of the Sphinx, an American lady and um, a chap, Yusuf Awan, that's connected to an Egyptian spiritual tradition, you could say. Um, and then we're going to go to Malta and Turkey in March. We've got a, an amazing trip back in Egypt with... Um, Christopher Dunn, Stephen Meller and Brian Forster from Peru that we're going to be running in April. And then I'm going to be co-hosting a tour to UK and Ireland in uh, July. Probably doing something in Peru in June, but it's a bit too early to announce that one, but it should be exciting. And um, there's even, even talk on with one of my clients about doing something to the Chinese pyramids. Ah. which just seemed to be opening up to tourism. He's been, he's been out there, one of my friends, and kind of scouted out a possible itinerary. So we might end up in, in China next fall. So that, that's, that's what's happening on there. But, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the, the December tour because there's um, an alignment at Karnak Temple, the world's biggest temple, I think it, it's claim to fame, which has got some incredible structures there and, and evidence of perhaps an older timeline because a lot of my clients are connected to um the the series of events the picture of history that we've got is missing a, a big chapter that human antiquity goes back further has a, a deeper much deeper and richer heritage what i've i've seen of ancient wisdom there's there's our modern approach to life where we are very analytical, scientific. We have to prove something. Otherwise, it doesn't exist. But that, I don't think that was the ancient mindset. They had a way of, of tapping into the intuition, the deeper truth. Some of these um, ancient practices like yoga and acupuncture seem to have come through kind of in a fully formed format where they people understood the effects on the body without having to experiment and prove it works like our modern system so so we need to look at these deeper wisdom traditions in, in much they're certainly worthy of our um, deeper respect and not to be disregard disregard them um is a big disservice i think to our ancestors so so gary let's let's return to uh our discussion before the break, when you when you were in this experience in the Temple of Luxor, mm-hmm. uh, and having had this, what sounds like people might describe as a, as a oneness experience, mm-hmm. uh, as a result of doing this uh, toning and uh, working together in harmony with the group, did everybody in the group experience the same, not, not the same thing obviously, but the same level of bliss and, uh, and awareness out of body, or was it just you? It was a group experience, and... And in fact, a lot of these these personal spirit experiences or spiritual experiences are very difficult for people to share because they have such a deep impact on them. And and because I'm I'm in the I like to share, and I find the more I share with like-minded people, the more they tend to share with me, so we can have some interesting chats. So I I don't restrict myself too much. Depending, I, I'm quite a good judge of character and if something's appropriate that that helps me but when I um said to the people in the group what I'd experienced they were even struggling to find words straight after the experience but by look, look I looked into their eyes and and the eyes can obviously convey so much and what I could see in their eyes the just like a childlike uh, wonder or amazement that's what I could see there and and they were kind of sharing in that way to me that, yes, we went. That was what they were, were mainly capable of doing at the time. Since then, um, they've shared more. And, and yes, we went, we went to, it would appear, the same place or our, or our own version of the same place, however you want to look at it. And 
the other thing to say about the experience was it did remove a lot of my fear of death. I mean, you, I was already comfortable with the the notion of reincarnation, which I think is something, if that was a more widely accepted um, philosophy, perhaps people would look at their lives slightly differently and that we've come here with a purpose in this life and and lessons to learn. And, and if we don't do it this this time around, perhaps we're just going to have to have a Groundhog Day and do it all again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I was comfortable with reincarnation. I mean, it just makes so much sense. I'm not comfortable with the idea that we're an accident. Consciousness is just generated in, in this body because I've connected to things greater than myself on many times now. I've felt the separation between my soul and the physical body. I've seen people's souls at ancient sites. I mean, it still surprises me when these, you could say, weird or very strange experiences that a lot of people say, well, that can't happen because people don't have souls or it's all part of the same thing. So so now I'm just at the point where, ah, well, there's another weird thing that's happened that I didn't <laughs> expect. <laughs> Interesting, and that can go into my research, but as it happens more and more, well, it's, it's not quite as weird as it was and the places that I'm spending time at, I mean, if weird or strange or interesting things are going to happen, this is where you would expect them to happen. So, so let's move on actually because uh, I did want to touch on a couple of other places. So you had a, another interesting experience in, uh, in Marais in, in Peru in the Andes. Yes, well, I went looking in Egypt. I, Egypt, from what, I can, from what the history books tell us, was somewhere that the Greeks used to go to to learn about life, and actually a lot of Western civilization is probably a byproduct of Egyptian knowledge, even though we attribute it to the Greeks. So I was starting to get comfortable with the idea, well, perhaps it's not just this dusty, dead structures there. Is there still some personal understandings that I could learn from spending time in these incredible places? Yes, I'm happy to, to say I'm confident if people go to Egypt, Egypt calls people there. I'm booking the people in on the tours. It calls you there when not everybody, but those that can get something from Egypt. If you go there, there's there's opportunities to learn about yourself because that's really what I've got from it. I've understood myself better, and as a result, perhaps I can relate to other people. I'd like to think slightly better than I could before. So when I went there, Egypt said. Sound. Sound is something critical that has been overlooked. There's a lot of for us to learn about sound, frequency, vibration. So, so I learned about the toning and how it impacts me. So I, so I went to Peru. Okay, if this is something tangible, is there evidence of this at ancient sites in Peru? Is this something restricted to Egypt? And there's this site, Moray, which is M-O-R-A-Y, and I'd encourage um, anyone listening to look up pictures of it on Google Images. Ideally, um, there's some pictures from the air which give you the kind of magnitude of this site. And it's concentric circles in the top of one of these mountains in the Andes in just magical place. And it's probably at its widest two or 300 feet across with these concentric circles going down about eight feet a level. And there's, I think, 15 levels or so roughly. And we were right in the, the bottom of the site and we could hear this sort of a slight amplification of sound. But we could also hear people shouting across about 10 levels above us. And the amplification of sound above at the higher levels was far greater. And there's been some, I mean, there's lots of theories about this site, that it could have been some kind of coliseum or, or things. But it doesn't really look like it was that. So... My friend that knows about my toning said, well, you have to go up to where those people are standing and do your toning and see what, what happens. So we clam clambered up, and by this point, we had the site, I think, virtually to ourselves. And a lot of the sites in Egypt are a very sort of deep, masculine tone, but it's the again, it's the combinations about balance. I mean, I could talk a lot about the male and female and balance and perhaps how we can make a better world as if, the masculine and feminine are, are integrated better in, in each of us. But a lot of the sites resonate to the deep masculine tone and then when the female vocals in, in Egypt combine, that's how we've created these experiences. 
But this sight in Murray was definitely a much higher note. It was right on the edge of my vocal range, and I did end up straining my throat. But just in a nutshell, the experience culminated in me creating sound in my body and the sight giving, actually sending, I could feel just this wave of energy flowing into my solar plexus energy um, center. And it does, when you're toning, it takes quite a lot of energy to create the sound. So if you've got energy coming back into you, you can create a lot more sound more easily. And in the end, I just felt like I was, um, I just sort of let go and um, which is an important process on, on many levels, let go to the site. And I was almost just uh, creating the sound that the site was creating. I wasn't processing it through my left brain. And, and that was an incredibly liberating feeling because I felt part the little Gary that's normally walking around was suddenly part of something much greater. And I could only imagine it's perhaps what a pop singer feels like when they've got... 50 or 80,000 people in front of them with this microphone with huge speakers. I mean, that must be an incredible feeling. And, and perhaps this is something similar because it was, yeah, amazing and something I think back to often. And, and just to, to wrap it up, to give some context, once I've now got these, you could say, the eyes to look at ancient sites from uh, an acoustics perspective... And there's been many uh, wonderful researchers that are, that are looking at sound. I mean, it's nothing special that I've come across. My area of interest, the effects of sound on consciousness, do I feel happier when I leave the sites? That's, that's a little bit more unique, but I'm sure there's others working on it too. Um, so when I went to one of the sites in, you could say, the Stonehenge Avebury landscape one of my clients that i'm hosting the tours with next year maria wheatley took me to this site called the devil's den um probably named by the christian church and perhaps to scare people away um there was a very strange hole in actually now gary we're, we're actually coming up to the end of our time so just give us a one line on the strange hole and then we're gonna have to finish <laughs> a strange head-shaped hole um, that has acoustic properties, and perhaps I'll have to come back another time to discuss that. There was two things to throw probably out there quickly before we run out of time. If you want to find me on Facebook, I've got a Facebook group, Infinite Connections PR, where there's lots of discussions and, and things that people might find interesting. And um, I just wanted to say, Peter, yep. after um, having a wonderful time with you last year when we went around the, the UK sites, I thought your listeners would appreciate um, me telling telling them about your wonderful guided meditations that you give. Oh, well, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Except um, after looking at just looking at the problems in the world, it it seems pretty evident that if we had more men that speak and share from the heart, that the world would probably get better quite quickly. Um, and and you're one of those rare individuals. I think about and, and often mention to people because you certainly stand out from the crowd and the guided meditations that you gave to Maria and I and the group that we went around with were, were the best that I've ever witnessed and I've been in a lot of yoga and meditation classes because it just came straight out from your heart and, and it was yeah really quite moving so if any, anyone ever gets an opportunity to, to attend one of your guided meditations i'd highly recommend it i don't think you'd be disappointed well thanks gary i really appreciate that perhaps you should become my pr, PR man <laughs> well, i'm very busy but we can talk <laughs> well i really appreciate your time today thanks so very much pleasure and we're thanks. at the end of the show and yeah thanks so much gary and next week my guest is hugh newman who's going to be talking about the megalithic structures and the earth energies and looking at this from a global perspective as we move through this phenomenal time that we're having here on planet earth I hope you enjoyed today's show. Have a wonderful week. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tung for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.